Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Yes. I'm so happy to be with you. I'm grateful and thankful. And let us begin with a prayer and a blessing. So grateful. So grateful to open our hearts and open our minds to the power and the presence of love living through us and as us. So grateful and thankful to open our hearts and minds to the highest possibilities of love, to the opportunities to be patient, to be kind, to be generous, to be more willing than we've ever been before. We're opening ourselves to that higher Holy Spirit self. We're partnering up with the divine. We are grateful and thankful that we are not alone, that we can't ever be alone. We are grateful and thankful to give up the notion that we can be unconscious or sleepwalking. We are grateful and thankful to be on a journey of awakening together. We are grateful to open ourselves to pure insight, clarity, and to recognize that we're already as holy as holy can be. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hmm. I am so grateful. I am so grateful. Very, very grateful. And our topic this week is consciousness and unconsciousness. Uh, this is a topic that came up in one of the Masterful Living classes. And so I thought I'd do uh, a radio show on this. It felt pretty strong when I tuned in for the topic from the Holy Spirit. That's what I got. And I'm just going to mention something uh, in the prayer that I said, uh, we're already as holy as holy can be. And uh, from time to time, people ask me, where is that quote in A Course in Miracles? It's not there. It just came through one time and it was at such a high vibration ring of truth. I've been saying it ever since. We're already as holy as holy can be. I am already as holy as holy can be. Another great affirmation is, I am perfect. Yes, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, meaning not become it. You be already. You already be as perfect as your Father in Heaven. So, sometimes when working with a counseling client, I will suggest to them to work with that affirmation, I am perfect. People resist it, which I, of course, understand. But it's cleansing. I am the perfection of love. 
I am love's perfection. Different ways to say it. I encourage you to work with that. It's recalibrating. It's restoring. I love the power of affirmations. I've learned a lot about them. Maybe I'll do a radio broadcast on that. Maybe I already have. There are so many. And, by the way, I will just mention, in case you don't know, if you're listening to this on the iTunes podcast, we we have to have two podcasts for iTunes. One is called A Course in Miracles, and the other is called A Course in Miracles Archive. That's the only way you can get all the episodes if you're on an uh, Apple device. All right, let's dive into our topic here. So first of all, what is consciousness? Course of Miracles tells us in chapter 3, in the section number 4, which is entitled Error and the Ego. And I'm going to uh, start with paragraph 1 here where it says, the abilities you now possess are only shadows of your real strength. The abilities you now possess are only shadows of your real strength. So reading that, I immediately feel, well, I'd like to tap into my real strength. I'd like to stand in my real strength. I'd like to live from my real strength. Holy Spirit, make it so. Show me the way, show me the blocks to my real strength, and help me to give them to you for healing. All right, Jesus goes on to say, All of your present functions are divided and open to question and doubt. Hmm, so that tells me there's inner conflict. Yes, don't I know it. This is because you are not certain how you will use them and are therefore incapable of knowledge. So one of the things that's happened, and this is talked about in chapter 2 in the cause and effect section, where he, he reminds us that we're not properly using the power of creation because we do have an inner conflict. And the conflict comes from saying that we want the peace of God and then choosing to say something to our loved one that would make them feel guilty or ashamed. We say we would like the peace of God, but then we tell someone that they've done something to us. Right, they've to make them feel guilty, forgetting that it's not even possible. That basically, the way people treat us is either a reflection of our inner consciousness, or our, our inner our belief system, or it's a cry for love. And we say we like the peace of God, but then we judge, 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 judge people. Well, there's no way to have the peace of God and be thinking, complaining, attack, thoughts. You cannot have both. So we're choosing 
to attack. We're choosing to judge. We're choosing to complain. We're choosing to criticize. We're choosing to say things that make people feel guilty, like, hey, look what I did. You haven't done anything. And uh, uh, you said you were going to do this, but you didn't do it. And so uh, in order to make them feel guilty... And there are ways to say things like, hey, what's going on? I thought you were going to do that. You didn't do that. Do you need some extra help? How can I support you? What's going on? And then there's the way to say it, that you're shaming the person. You're making them feel guilty. So uh, these are the choices we make. And therefore, we don't wish to actually tap into our real strength. We are actually actively choosing to play small because if we had our real strength and we used it to shame and to blame and to guilt and attack and judge and wound other people, that would be the ultimate terror for us as part of God, that we would actively try to use the mind of God in that, what I think, a violent way. So uh, one of the things you may not know about me, not that you need to know a lot about me, but <laughs> and uh, I, back in the 90s, when I was starting in the practitioner training at Agape to become a science of mind practitioner, on the way to becoming a minister, uh, in that time, back in 97, I volunteered to work with a group called Season for Nonviolence, which was honoring and commemorating the work of Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. Well, I have been deeply influenced by Gandhi and King. When I was a child growing up, my parents were uh, very much involved in the civil rights movement. They were activists at that time, social activists, and extremely engaged in that. And I was raised up in that um, awareness of Dr. King and the practice of nonviolence. And... Then when I was in my early 20s, very early 20s, I was reading about Gandhi, reading his autobiography, and influenced by him. And so when the season for nonviolence started in 1997, I jumped on board right away and became uh, very involved in the L.A. group, and we put on hundreds of events uh, in that uh, 49-day period between uh, Martin Luther King's assassination and Gandhi's assassination, so January 30th to April 4. So when I was doing that, I started to write what has now become my daily blog. I started to write 365 ways to practice nonviolence. Somebody had written 49 ways for our 49-day um, season of nonviolence. And I decided, oh, I'm going to write 365 and write a book of them. 
And I, that's how I started my daily blog. And I was just sending it to my friends and some volunteers, a very small list of people. But I realized that I was being transformed by the practice of nonviolence. And the practice of nonviolence to me is absolutely no different from the practice of the workbook lessons and living A Course in Miracles. So when I found A Course in Miracles and started practicing it, I realized, oh, this, these workbook lessons are just a much better refinement of what I've been doing for a very long time. So um, in the practice of the lessons, that's when we realize that we are actually afraid of our real strength because we're afraid to use it for ill. So we play small on purpose. So I see this all the time with light workers. Why I teach about it in Masterful Living, in my spiritual counseling training intensive, in that whole certification program. I teach about it in my teacher training uh, that people play small on purpose because they don't want to wound anyone. So let's say you're an acupuncture, a massage therapist, a psychologist, a whatever, uh, any kind of light worker, practitioner, teacher, um, you're going to play small and chances are and have a smaller business with a smaller number of clients if you're not really walking the talk, living the love, because you don't want to wound anybody, which is totally understandable. And everything changed for me when I really committed to walking the talk and living the love, truly living A Course in Miracles. And that's part of why I have my Finding Freedom from Fear boot camp and my Masterful Living course, all these courses to help the light workers really decide to go for it and stand in their strengths and demonstrate them as teachers of God, uh, regardless of their profession. They could be uh, retired for a decade and, and happy grandparents or whatever they're doing, but let us not generate more pain and suffering in the world. Let us make a deep commitment to that. And we play small because we don't know how to do it. That's why I'm all about the how to do it. So back to what it says here. So we're basically, we're playing small. We're open to question and doubt because you are not certain how you will use your real strength, your gifts and talents, and are therefore your functions, and are therefore incapable of knowledge. You are also incapable of knowledge because you can still perceive lovelessly. Yes. Perception did not exist, and this is key, perception did not exist until the separation introduced degrees, aspects, and intervals. Spirit has no levels, and all conflict arises from the concept of levels. 
only the levels of Trinity, with a capital L and a capital T, are capable of unity. The levels created by the separation cannot but conflict. This is because they are meaningless to each other. So another sense of levels you can think of as this. The level of belief, the level of the mind, the level of the emotional body, the physical body, the spiritual body, the etheric body. These, this, that's where um, the levels begin. He says, the levels created by the separation cannot but conflict. This is because they are meaningless to each other. Now here we go about consciousness and unconsciousness. He says, and this is again, chapter 3, section 4, the error and the ego, and now I'm in paragraph 2. Consciousness, the level of perception, was the first split introduced into the mind after the separation, making the mind a perceiver rather than a creator. Okay? So consciousness is the first step away from unity. The level of perception was the first split introduced into the mind after separation, making the mind a perceiver rather than a creator. So one way to think of it is, the separation, of course, is not real. It is sometimes described as veil or veils in the mind. So there's not real, but there's the illusion of this separation. What is the separation made out of? It's belief. It's a choice to perceive separation as as possible. So consciousness is the level of perception. All right? So then he says here, Consciousness is correctly identified as the domain of the ego. So the ego thought system... resides in our consciousness, which is the level of perception. So ego and perception go together. Ego perceives, spirit knows. That for me is the most helpful way to think about it. The the ego is always trying to understand things because it's about perception, which is different than knowing. Knowing is that knowledge, right, that he talked about in the first paragraph where he says, uh, because of, uh, he says, the abilities you now possess are only shadows of your strength. All of your present functions are divided. So there's discord and open to question and doubt. This is because you are not certain how you will use them and are therefore incapable of knowledge. Right? So we've, we're not capable of knowledge. We're capable of perception because we're identified with the ego. How did we get identified with the ego? We started to believe things 
make things up and value them more than the truth. And just think about how you live your life and go through your day. Start to, this is key to undoing this sense of separation, releasing the veils from the mind, is to start to notice this is truly living A Course in Miracles. This is, you won't get this from studying it. That's why my whole thing is living A Course in Miracles.com. <laughs> We're living it. Because you can talk about it and you can read about it, and that is an entirely different thing from living it. When I first started sharing my experience of A Course in Miracles, um, back in 97, I think, people started to say to me, Jennifer, I've been studying this for 20 years. I never thought to look at it this way. I never thought to practice it this way. And they're saying, oh my God, all of a sudden I'm starting to have all this healing. Yes, when we actually employ it and live it, we have so much healing. And so the way to live it here is to begin to look for, I call it look for the lie. Look for the lie. Look for the self-deception. Remember the ego has no volition, meaning it has no consciousness. It, has, it is a thought system. Jesus tells us this. The ego is a thought system. It's a thought system of perception. It is a lens through which we look at the world. And actually, we don't see what we think we see. We see what we want to see. We see what we choose to see. If we could see with clear perception, if we could see with our divine eyes and not through the lens of the ego, we would only be able to see I am perfect. I am as holy as holy can be and so is everyone else. And even the things that have been done to us that are intensely painful and hurtful, the the violence Many people I talk with have had violence done to them. They've been uh, sexually abused. They've been even tortured. They've been robbed. And they've been lied to and deceived and so many different things that people I talk with have happened to them. And, of course, I've had some gnarly things happen to me. We all have. Some people have more gnarly things than others. But all things work together for good and there are no exceptions but in the mind, or rather the um, belief of the ego. So only the ego can look at something and think that it doesn't work together for good because no matter what has occurred, spirit the higher Holy Spirit self will use it for our good and the highest good of all. And we can confirm that and affirm that all day long. I'm only interested in the highest and best for everyone. And the highest and best for anyone is the highest and best for everyone. That's how I put it and think about it. 
And that is deeply comforting to me, and it helps me to look for the higher choices. So, consciousness, the level of perception, was the first split introduced into the mind after the separation, making the mind a perceiver rather than a creator. Consciousness is correctly identified as the domain of the ego. And so the practice I would like to give you is to practice all day long looking for where you're making up the lie based on your belief system, based on your preferences. So um, when we're judging other people as being wrong and bad or better than or less than, we're making up the lie and we have the free will to choose to interrupt that pattern, stop it. And even to go a step further and say, what's my belief around this? What is my belief around this? Oh my gosh, this is a very, very demanding spiritual practice that will transform and renew and rejuvenate your mind. And I can give you a beautiful example, uh, but I don't have enough time to do it before we go to the break. So, before we go to the break, what I would love to do is tell you that uh, I have a new A Course in Miracles or renewing of A Course in Miracles pledge page at at Facebook. I'm now calling it A Course in Miracles ACIM Angels. And if you're not already a part of that group, that fan page, I encourage you to come and join us and to comment on the posts there and and to share with us and uh, it's fun we're having a lot of fun with it so come check it out a course of miracles acim angels at facebook i'm jennifer hadley and you are listening to a course of miracles on unity online radio where we're living the love we're walking the talk and i will be right back Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Ah, So we're talking about consciousness and unconsciousness and the practical application of living A Course in Miracles so that we're no longer deceiving ourselves and this this is a real leap in consciousness so we're declaring to the higher holy spirit self that we're willing not to be fooled by our own perception and think that we're right anymore that's a major declaration of willingness and so the practice one of the best practices of course all the practices of the workbook lessons and the beginning lessons of I don't know uh, what anything is for and I've given everything all the meaning that it has for me. So one of the um, practices is uh, lesson number five, I'm never upset for the reason I think. 
So what I've done is I have really grabbed onto that lesson and practice it. It's one of my main spiritual practices is I'm never upset for the reason I think. So I've realized that anytime I'm upset for any reason whatsoever, I've gone uh, unconscious. I've unhooked my willingness to see with God's eyes, to see what's really there. And now I'm just making stuff up And that's the reason that I'm upset. So when we're identified with a false self, the ego self, we're going to start justifying our upset. We're going to really be arguing for our upset. We're going to be making ourselves bad and wrong. We're going to be making other people bad and wrong. We're going to be affirming better than, less than, the shoulda, woulda, couldas. And we're going to be very entrenched in that mindset. We're going to be collecting evidence to show that we're right. We're going to be crying in despair. We're going to be angry. We're going to be frustrated and irritated. All of those upsets, whatever form it takes, is an indication that we are unconscious, that we are uh, identified with the ego thought system as the truth, right? So we're looking to justify our beliefs. And we're looking to justify our attack thoughts. That's the number one key there um, that is uh, talked about uh, in later lessons. But in workbook lesson number five, he says this idea, I'm never upset for the reason I think, like the earlier lessons, can be used with any person, situation, or event you think is causing you pain. So any form of upset. The upset may seem to be fear, worry, depression, anxiety, anger, hatred, jealousy, or any number of forms, all of which will be perceived as different. This is not true. So this is important to realize. All my upsets are the same. It doesn't matter if I feel sad or ashamed or angry or hurt or afraid. All of my upsets are the same. And until you learn that form does not matter, this is what he says. Uh, He says, you're going to perceive them as different, but this is not true. However, Until you learn that form does not matter, each form becomes a proper subject for the exercises for the day, applying the same idea to each of them separately is the first step in ultimately recognizing they are all the same. So, he says, when using the idea for today, this is lesson five, for a specific perceived cause of an upset in any form, use both the name of the form in which you see the upset and the cause which you ascribe to it. For example, I am not angry at my father for the reason I think. I am not afraid of my boss for the reason I think. I am, and I'm going to keep riffing on it here. I am not ashamed for the reason I think. 
I am not hurt by my sister's comments for the reason I think. I am not jealous of my neighbor's wife for the reason I think. Okay? So we can practice it all these ways. Uh, I have a this page at uh, Facebook called A Course in Miracles ACIM Angels, which I'm inviting you to come and join us there and get into the discussion and the dialogue there. And uh, we also have a group living A Course in Miracles, and I am uh, some, posting some new things there. And one of the things I posted a while back was about, I am never ashamed for the reason I think. And somebody wrote there, that's not in A Course in Miracles. Well, those precise words are not in A Course in Miracles, but if you're practicing the lesson, you will have practiced that. I am not ashamed by their comments for the reason I think. I am not ashamed of my body for the reason I think. I am not ashamed of my work for the reason I think. And it's on and on and on. I am not afraid of my husband's choices for the reason I think. I am not hurt by my child's comments for the reason I think. And on and on and on. So this is a practice that we can do every day to stop deceiving ourselves that our beliefs are true. This is bottom line, fundamental Course in Miracles. Every single time we're upset, I call it the divine alarm clock. It's like an alarm that goes off in our mind. We're upset. It starts in the mind. If we don't heal it at the level of the mind, it's going to start to vibrate out into our emotional body. If we don't heal it there, it's going to vibrate out to our physical body. If we don't heal it there, it's going to vibrate out into the circumstances and situations of our life. So, A Course in Miracles teaches us all healing is at the level of the mind. Let's work there. Then we don't have to become emotionally upset and physically upset and life upset. We can nip these things in the bud, in the bud of our stinking thinking. And this is what living A Course in Miracles is all about to me. To me it is. So... It's an active practice. It's a very active practice. Truly, it is. It absolutely is so deep and so powerful. It's so healing and transformative. And this is what I wish for all of us. So now I'm going to go back to uh, Chapter 3, Section 4, Paragraph 2. So consciousness is correctly identified as the domain of the ego. The ego is a wrong-minded attempt to perceive yourself as you wish to be rather than as you are. Yet, you can know yourself only as you are because that is all you can be sure of. Everything else is open 
to question. So another way to say this would be uh, consciousness is the domain of the ego, yes, and ego is wrong-minded, a wrong-minded attempt to perceive yourself as you wish to be. Now, you might think, well, why would I wish to be ashamed? Why would I wish to be hurt? Why would I wish to be the victim? Why would I wish to be jealous? Well, because it's in alignment with your belief system, and it affirms that you are correct. And that's the whole thing. The ego is never correct. The ego thought system is always incorrect. So it's constantly scanning the environment to generate a perception that would affirm what's not true. The beliefs, the ego beliefs. So that's what we've trained our mind to do. We've trained our mind not to see what's really there, that everything is working together for our good, and that we're incredibly blessed, and we're already as holy as holy can be, and so is everyone else, and everyone else is helping us to recognize that. Instead of seeing all of that, we're looking to affirm our beliefs, that we're not good enough, that there's something wrong with us, that we're fundamentally bad instead of fundamentally good. So we can't know ourselves as fundamentally bad. We can only believe it or perceive it. Because we're not fundamentally bad, we're fundamentally good. So it is flipping that switch to in our mind to say, I'm interested in what's true. Holy Spirit, help me see what's true today and help me recognize the false. And when you show me the false... Help me to choose to let my attachment to it go. And then we will be healed. Because our willingness is all that's required. But if you have no practice of it, you actually have no willingness, you see. You can say you're willing all day long, and you can study A Course in Miracles night and day. You can memorize it. But if you're not applying it, you won't have any healing because you don't actually have any willingness. That was the one of the main wake-up calls of my life as I realized, oh my God, I have been teaching this for years but I am not living it. There are many times of the day, in fact, most times of the day, when I prefer to believe my beliefs and to look for the evidence to support them. And that's why I'm upset all day long. I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm offended. I'm wounded. I'm jealous. I'm angry. All these things Oh my gosh, I am never upset for the reason I think. I'm not angry or hurt or sad or ashamed for the reason I think. Such, I mean, I still practice Lesson 5 every day. Every, every day. So, so powerful. So I'm going to invite you right now to think of a time recently, may have been just minutes ago, 
where you were annoyed, frustrated, upset for some in some flavor. Doesn't matter what the flavor is. Just think about when you were upset, and what did you think it was for? What did you convince yourself it was for? So what is the flavor of upset? What did you believe it was for? And now see if you can be willing to move out of perception and into the truth. Just a willingness to align with the truth. There is that wonderful affirmation, thy will be mine. Thy will be mine. And when I invite, many times when I invite a client, a counseling client, work, what about working with the affirmation, thy will be mine? Sometimes they visibly kind of go, oh gosh, I couldn't do that. Why? Because we're afraid that we're going to have to give up living a life that we like. But the thing is, that's absolutely true, is if we're afraid to give up uh, our use of a separate will, that separate that perception, that consciousness separation, then we'll never have a happy life, a joyful life. But we will seem to take a negative pleasure from certain things. Could be exercise or food or sex or shopping or whatever it might be. But if we align with thy will be mine, we will unlock the joy that is unlimited and unprecedented. Course in Miracles tells us very clearly, we can learn through pain or we can learn through joy. Much easier and faster, obviously, to learn through joy than through pain. But when we're not willing to do these kinds of practices, we can only learn through pain. That's the way we're choosing. And the reason why it becomes more and more painful till it becomes intolerable is because as spiritual students, if we're praying and affirming that we are willing, but we're not, the pain increases. It becomes unbearable. We can't do it anymore until we say, Mother, Father, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. Take me. I'm yours. Do not allow me. Help me to not allow myself to choose separation anymore. And that's the place I reached. That was my major turning point where I was praying, I am all in, whatever that means. If it means I go live in a cave somewhere, if it means I become uh, a waitress on the south side of Chicago, if it means I give up everything I have to the poor, whatever, just show me. Show me how to be all in. Show me how to live in accordance with love 100% of the time. I do not wish to be in this land of perception and unconsciousness and consciousness anymore. I am yours. Take me. I love that song, um, uh, Stevie Wonder sings it, and I sing it to God. 
here I am, Lord. Take, you know, um, come on, take me. I'm yours. I can't think of the tune right now, but I, I love that. And uh, we can live in that space of take me, I'm yours, and not feel afraid anymore because we begin to recognize that we can actually learn through joy instead of through pain. We cannot get there without an active practice of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the way. Every spiritual teacher who has any awareness of the truth is going to teach about forgiveness. And this is why I have the free forgiveness workshop on the homepage at Jennifer Hadley. It's called How to Get Over It. How to Get Over It. Go get it. It's yours. It's free. What I encourage you to do is have a forgiveness party. And I was talking about this with uh, the staff at Power of Love Ministry uh, just yesterday, uh, working our way towards offering forgiveness parties seven days a week online. Because in our Finding Freedom from Fear class, forgiveness is the cornerstone of it. In every retreat, in every training I do. So I've got the uh, Recovering from Sexual Abuse retreat next week. Uh, And I've got the two trainings, professional trainings in October. The Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive, which anyone can join. And it's one of the components, foundations of my Spiritual Counseling Certification Program. And then forgiveness is a key part of my teacher training, which is how to lead and create a workshop. And in that, I certify the participants to lead and teach my Forgive and Be Free workshop, which many have gone on to do and found it deeply fulfilling. So in Masterful Living, we do these, run these forgiveness uh, programs in the community all the time. It's one of the most popular things we do within the Masterful Living community. And uh, it is profoundly life-changing and transformative. Forgiveness is so misunderstood. People think it's about having to say, it's okay that that happened. It's never about that. That has nothing to do with true forgiveness. So uh, get that How to Get Over It free workshop. I encourage you to have a forgiveness party. Have some friends over. Uh, Maybe start with one friend. You're going to do it together. Because it's easier to do it together. It's more fun to do it together. You can have a little potluck supper and have it, you know, make an evening of it or an afternoon or a morning of it. You can really have a wonderful time with it. I know parents who've done it with their adult children. I know um, divorced couples who've done it together. I know married couples who've done it together. I know all kinds of people who've done it together. So I encourage you to get an active practice of living A Course in Miracles in order to heal your heart, heal your mind, and so that you can be that 
demonstration of love and light everywhere you go and stop blaming and shaming yourself and others. There's no other way. There really is no other way. Um, Resistance is futile. We all get there in the end. So you can resist as long as you would like. And you will learn through that resistance and continuing to think that you're upset because of what happened or what somebody did or didn't do or what somebody said or didn't say. But that will never actually be true. So you can stop deceiving yourself. Yes. Yes. Later in, uh, much later in the text of A Course in Miracles, uh, it says, and let's see, where is this? This is chapter 28, section 6, paragraph 4. No one can suffer if he does not see himself attacked and losing by attack. Unstated and unheard in consciousness is every pledge to sickness, yet it is a promise to another to be hurt by him and to attack him in return. So when we're identified with the ego, there's going to be sickness and there's going to be attack and having been attacked. So these are things, when you feel sick, mentally, emotionally, physically, it doesn't matter. Then, in fact, there's a section in the Manual for Teachers, it's in chapter 12, which is entitled, How Many Teachers of God Are Needed to Save the World? It says in paragraph 6, oneness and sickness cannot coexist. God's teachers choose to look on dreams a while. It is a conscious choice, for they have heard that all choices are made consciously with full awareness of their consequences. The dream says otherwise, right? The dream says things are happening to you. But who would put his faith in dreams once they are recognized what they are for? So dreams are for hiding from God, essentially. Yep, that's the truth of it. (laughs) There it is, like it or not. (laughs) And um, so in uh, A Course in Miracles, in, uh, let's see, Lesson 136, Sickness is a Defense Against the Truth, powerful lesson. It says, defenses are not unintentional. They're intentional nor are they made without awareness. Okay, so we're aware when we make defenses. They are secret magic wands. You wave when truth appears to threaten what you would believe. So in other words, if you um, are believing that someone attacked you, someone hurt you, something, someone did something to you, of course you believe they're separate from you. There's the issue. Um You've, you've used your awareness to wave that magic wand and say, oh no, I didn't do it, they did it. So when this happens, we seem to be unconscious, but because of the rapidity with which you choose to use them, right? 
That's why it seems unconscious, because it's happening so often and so much. A Course in Miracles tells us there is no unconsciousness. There is no uh, such thing as unconsciousness. So we have to accept that we are making these conscious decisions, whether we recognize it or not. We think it's unconscious because we are so identified with the false beliefs. Yep, that's that's what's happened. So, time to wake up. Oh, and time for me to end this podcast. (laughs) Let's take a breath and pray on it. So grateful and thankful to let all the false go and to stand in the awareness of truth. In gratitude, we share with all, we let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah!